Hey everybody, welcome back to Hat Trick Lacrosse Picks, the show where we analyze every single game from every conference so you can make the best picks that weekend. As always, we're your hosts, the Three Garretts. Today for our episode, as the 2023 season is just a couple of weeks away now, we wanted to give you guys a look at what we think our top 20 for this season is. Very, very excited. Uh, best time of the year, playoff NFL football, and the lacrosse season is on the horizon. February 4th cannot come soon enough. February lacrosse is so much fun. Boyd knows his fair share of Ohio February lacrosse. Oh, yeah, just five feet of snow on the ground, shoveling before every practice time. <laughs> no, I'm excited for this season, man. I always get excited around this time of year when the polls start coming out and then we can start discussing and making our predictions for the season. Um, no, I'm very excited for this season to get going. There's so many good games in February, too, especially this year. I feel like there's a lot of teams that play each other inside of like what I think is the top 20. Uh, but just kind of dive right into it. Uh, we've got our top 20. And right before that, we're also going to give kind of like our honorable, honorable mention teams. We've got five teams coming in right before that. So we have a full top 25. I'm going to talk about the first one we have at 25. We've got the Vermont Catamounts, which is a team that I think is really good this year. I think they're the best team in the American East. Uh, they play phenomenally under Chris Fiefs, their head coach. They're 13-2 and in conference play last year. Um, I got to look at this team a lot when I did the conference preview. And I, I just, I think they're going to keep it rolling. I think they're right on that fringe top 25. If they play really well out of conference this year, they didn't play out of conference great last year. Uh, if If they can step it up and play a little bit better, I think they'll be Definitely 15 to 20 by the end of the season, but I think right now going into it, they're around that fringe top 25. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we all can agree, quite frankly, like Vermont didn't have that great of a season last year and actually had a lot of expectations for a season last year. Um, look, Vermont is probably going to run the America East, you'd think, um, would, yeah. with a few rivalries. Uh but look, if this team gets a couple nice early wins, I, I, I can easily see them cracking the top 20. So it's, it's definitely a team to look out for. Yeah. Yeah, they have, uh, they have that kid Tommy Burks coming back. So, you know, they're, they definitely have the edge over their conference opponents in the faceoff dot. So, you know, they look, they look pretty stout right now. Um, and some new steezy helmets, good. too, that they're wearing this year. Yes, the brand switch. Love the classy all white. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Those helmets look so awesome, man. Next team we got up on the list is we got Utah. And I'm very excited about Utah. Um, I made that known in my in our in our conference preview when we were talking about the ASUN. I have them as the regular season champs. Um, but I I'm now questioning that now since I learned today. Max Waldbaum is coming back as a graduate student for Jacksonville, which oh, yeah, we'll talk about later. Yeah. So, you know, Jacksonville is going to be a tough opponent for Utah. I, but Utah is a big transition team. Um, they definitely deserve to be in the top 25. Uh, I think they, at some point in the season, will crack the top 20 for sure. Um, but it's, it's a wait and see right now. I'm, they have a bunch of studs coming back. They're going to be a big transition team on defense. Um, and I'm sure that their attack is with, with the chemistry that they got They're They're going to ride 
very well against their against most of their opponents. Utah's definitely a team that in my gut, I just want them to be good too. I think it'd be cool for the sport of lacrosse and D1 if Utah can kind of break into that top 20 and become a annually good program that performs really well. And I think that they do under, um, oh God, what who's their head coach? The, uh, oh Jesus, it is escaping me right now. Um, Andrew McMinn, Andrew McMinn. He has been playing really well. I mean, yeah, Andrew McMinn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I love uh, the way they play. Like you just said, Void. I mean, they play such a high pace game, and I think it's it's super exciting. I mean, at, at West Coast lacrosse, it's it's West Coast ball that they're putting to the college game right now. So, yeah, what and hopefully they? they they just hopefully like if they like continue to succeed over the next few years, more programs will you know follow that route in the mm-hmm. West Coast of moving up to Division One, and hopefully we can expand uh, out there. Yeah, I'm really curious, and this has, I guess, not much to do with Utah, but more with the A-Sun, as I've been thinking back to our conference breakdown. I'm very interested to see how the large conference slate and the cross-country travel impacts that conference, right? Really, up until recently, you've got your Air Forces and your Denvers of the world making trips east but now i mean the a sun is having flights and long drives every weekend like cross country so i'm just i'm I'm curious for utah for jacksonville for all that entire conference what does that look like how does that wear a team down how can a team respond to that but yeah i think utah yeah is a dangerous team but i i think as high as we are on them, I think they're still at the point where their only chance to get into the tournament is through the AQ, but it's definitely attainable for them. Mm. As much as it pains us for this next one, I had to give Syracuse some respect. No, they are not in the top 20, but they are in the top 25. And here's here's my reason. And it's predicated solely upon more feeling than fact. But nonetheless, I think that the recruiting class that Petromal and Gate have brought in will allow them to create a team the way they want. Yeah. Meaning I think the team of last year, while not very talented, just didn't really mesh around that staff because they weren't that those staff's players. And that's just a difficult we saw the same problem at Hopkins. It's just hard to transition from a legendary coach to a new staff if if you've been there for three years. And so my thinking with Syracuse this year is that, one, they're embarrassed for themselves and their program that they were as bad as they were last year, and they respond to that. And two, because it's a young roster, they'll be a little bit more malleable. And I, I think they're productive. I don't think they make the tournament. I don't even know if they have a winning record. But I think it's still Syracuse. It's still a lot of talent. I think giving them the receiving votes is the respect they deserve. I agree. I, I, I'd hate to say it, but they're definitely still a good team. And I don't think there's any drop-off. And yeah, Gate has some pretty damn good freshmen coming in for like the next couple years set up. So I don't see them moving any farther down. They're probably going to start creeping back up into, you know, back into the top 10 probably within the next few years. Yeah, yeah I think you can consider Syracuse's season last year more of like a tune-up for yeah. the gate era. Um, 
because you know it, Kate's only been there for a season. He's not going to get he's not going to get the seniors like he recruits for another four years. So the man was know, coaching tough. women's lacrosse for like ten years straight before coming over the men's. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's not used to the not physicality. <laughs> I don't know, man. Women's lacrosse. I've watched it more last year than any year. Holy crap! Like that game has changed since we were younger. Like the physicality of oh, yeah. it, it, it's intense now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. Watching watching Charlotte North like the last few years, like she like the the girl averaged six goals a game for two years. That's like crazy. it's insane. Like yeah. And I, I hope that I hope that that um, more more players, you know, continue to watch her and develop. Next up is the Richmond Spiders, a team that quite honestly, I'm a little surprised is as low as they are in our rankings. And I say that because mm-hmm. I had them at, I think, 16 or 17 in my personal rankings. Um, you have I, them at 15. 15. Yeah. I mean. I like Richmond and I recognize that they have some turnover this year, but I'm, I'm just so high on them beating Virginia last year that as, as being like a huge cornerstone in that program's progression into being a national power. And I, like, I think for as young as that program still is, they've developed themselves into a national power. And I'm very curious to see how they, you know, handle Dryband's favorite conference the Atlantic 10 and they're going to have challenges, but look, the spiders will give anyone fits. I think they yeah, opened the season. I think they opened the season against Maryland. Don't know if they mm-hmm. win that one. Probably not, but I wouldn't be surprised if they give, if they give the Terps a good game. So I would have Richmond personally higher, but I'm satisfied that they're in our rankings. Yeah. I mean, they're a good team and I, I think you're right. If it wasn't for, honestly how good St. Joe's is. I think any other year I would pick Richmond to win the A-10 just because of how good and how well they're coached. Um, and I mean, like looking into them, like I said, Dan Chamati has this team coached to a T. Like, I mean, they're a very, very well-run team and they're always good every single year. And I know you said the Virginia game might like catapult this team to a new level, I feel, but I feel like something like that happens every year where they're almost right there. They're scraping the surface, but they just haven't taken that final step to be a definitive top 20 team all the time. Cause there's all, all you like, I feel like every single pass, all, all the past couple of years, it's been like, you look at the rankings and Richmond could either be right there in the last 15 or out. And either way you'd be like, Oh yeah. I, I mean like, Oh, they could be ranked or like, Oh, they could be a little bit lower than that. I don't know if they're that high. And it, it's always like they're right on that, teetering they're teetering this whole time so it'll be interesting to see if they can take that next step this year especially in a new conference to see if they can uh, kind of try to establish themselves a little bit more yeah yeah they're full of they're full of studs and you know they can they can beat any team on any given weekend um it's just a matter of consistency week in and week out for for me at least um i looked back at my rankings um and i had them pretty low i had them at 32 so um, disrespectful. Oh, it was very, <laughs> it's very disrespectful, and I am sorry to the Richmond Spiders for putting them that low. I think I, I'm just gonna jot it down to you know, I was tired. I was trying to fill in the middle of my uh, my rankings fairly quickly, and uh, yeah, I, no excuse there. I should have had them higher. 
devastating. <laughs> that yeah. is low for Richmond. Um, next team we got, um, I actually think that this team, I should have put them higher in my rankings as well, um, is uh, Denver. And I think Denver just becomes a more dangerous team now that it's Tierney's last year. So the, the I think I just think those guys are just going to, you know, it's, it, every game means means more. I think that they're going to have a great season. I think they have a they have a lot of guys who can play at an elite level. And uh, you know, with Bill with Bill Tierney, Tierney and his co- coaching staff, they're they're going to look to you know have a, an extremely successful season. When I saw that news, I thought the same thing. I thought you know this team, I don't have a lot of respect for, but oh man, this team's going to be dangerous now. Um, and look, like, oh, how the turntables, as Michael Scott once said, in terms of the Big East, it used to be Denver's show. But yeah, now we, like, we constantly think Denver's got a vie for a spot against Georgetown the past couple of years, and even Villanova, for that matter. So, you know, Denver's path is by no means as clear as it used to be. And I think that they're going to have to rely heavily on an out-of-conference slate and to produce some results. Like, there's there are cross country trips where they play Duke and North Carolina like that's come to bite them in the ass the past couple of years and I think that you know the slate they have ahead of them they need to pounce early I mean they're playing early as well for a team out west so mm-hmm. this team's got potential I have not fully bought in yet I'd like to see them play a few times before I make any bold predictions about them but yeah tyranny leaving is is going to be certainly a jolt to their systems yeah I. This team, it's going to have to ride on, I think, Silstrap, their attackman that's returning. He's an audible mention, All-American preseason. I think if this offense is going to have to click, it's got to run through him. They lost Jack Hanna. Uh, I mean, we'll see where they can go. But yeah, it, it's crazy that Denver, it's kind of, they haven't even like fallen off the edge. It's just that they've taken a little bit of a step back and the, Georgetown and Villanova have just kind of blown by Villanova not so much blowing by but Georgetown has blown by them yeah. in terms of their conference at least uh which makes Big East really exciting and has made the Big East really exciting the past couple of years because it used to just be Denver's show and that actually takes us to our first team in the top 20 that we have we have Villanova at 20 and this just goes to show right there the parody like it's going to be a fight for that who can be that second team in the Big East, trying to push Georgetown to go all the way, especially that, especially if one of these teams can try to upset Georgetown during the regular season, because you don't want to have to face one of the other two of them in the semifinals of that conference tournament. You wanted to just be able to play Providence, most likely, or Marquette, whoever makes that four seed. Hey, in the, in the don't count on St. Johnny's, all right? <laughs> You know, on paper, easier game. You want to you wanna try to make sure you get them in the semifinal because you don't want to have to play. I mean, you don't want to have to go through Villanova and Georgetown if you're Denver. You don't want to have to go through Villanova and Denver if you're Georgetown. And Denver, you don't have to go through Villanova and Georgetown. Like, any combination of those three te- two teams, of the, any combination of those three teams, is a tough one to do for a conference tournament. Uh, so... I think it'll be really fun to see. Villanova has Matt Campbell. He's a first-team All-American preseason. He is a dog at midfield. 
I, I think they're going to be really good this year again. Uh, I, I think they're going to be an exciting team. And I, I do think right now they're just right at that fringe top 20. And if they can pull off some wins, then I think they'll be higher if they can start clicking a little bit more. They did lose a lot of firepower, though, this offseason. I think they lost uh, – how many was it? They lost – I think it's like only two of their top five point scores are coming back. So three Ooh. of their top five point scores got lost. Because they were a very senior-laden team last year. And Matt Campbell's coming back on a graduate year this year, too. So we'll see how they do. But I think they'll be an exciting team. Yeah, I mean, losing yeah, losing Keating and Brett Baskin is tough. But if I look back to our conference breakdown and their schedule, they have great opportunities at a conference. Penn State, Yale, mm-hmm. Penn, and Brown. That is a great mm-hmm. out-of-conference slate. You go three and two in there, I think you're sitting really pretty. You can't lose to Penn State, but you know, you drop one to Penn, you beat Brown. I think you're you're hovering in the top twenty right right where you need to be. So I'm I'm excited for Wildcats. Villanova is gonna be a fun team this year to watch. I feel like I feel like I've run into that um though the last few years. They're just a fun team to watch. Like it was very the the game that game against Penn State, I think it was last year or the year before um they just play they play so unorthodox but it works mm-hmm. and they're just they're just fun to watch um going to another team that's also fun to watch in my opinion is boston we had them at 19 on our rankings um i don't have much to add um from the conference preview about boston um listen they're just going to they're a very talented team. They, they're a very deep team. They got their entire midfield in their second line coming back too. So, um, you know, they're going to have a big target on their backs in the Patriot League, uh, especially with Army and Navy and Loyola trying to, you know, take that next step and dethrone them. So um, they're, they're just going to be another fun team to watch. Um, I'm excited to see them play. And, but I'm, I'm wondering what you guys are thinking. One question: yeah. Can they do it again? Can they do it again? Yeah, yeah, that's the that's question. I think they can, but it that was a tough task last year. And look, I mean, the Patriot League is a hungry conference. That is a mm-hmm. conference that has, I think, it's one of the one or two conference tournaments that actually has quarterfinals. So, like, any mm-hmm. anyone can win that conference when it gets to playoff time. So, yeah. For the Terriers to have a great season again, I hope they do. I think it was great for the sport last year to have Boston be as good as they were. But it's, it's hard to be the same team twice in a season. I think it's hard hard to win a conference two years in a row, especially in the Patriots. So. They're definitely going to be tested in the beginning of the year. They have Their first three games are all on the road. Uh, Vermont, Bryant, and UMass. So... By no means any scrubs, but they they do have a tough schedule moving forward with the games against Yale and Harvard as well. So they're it's going to be a tough matchup for BU this year, but I think they can. Uh, I think they have the guys to do it again. Yeah, I I think for me it comes down to I'll just add one thing. Matt Garber, their goalie, super exciting. Honorable mention All American preseason, one of the best mm-hmm. in the country. He keeps that defense in games especially because their defense can't hang with some of the higher octane offenses that we saw, but he'll keep them in every single game. I know that for a fact this year. Yep. 
At 18, we have our only representative from the CAA conference, the Delaware Blue Hens. Now, I think we, as a collective body, might have still a bit of a recentism bias for the Blue Hens, given just how impressive their tournament whenever Georgetown was. However, I think if you look at them as objectively as you can, they're still a very good, very formidable team that had a very good season last year and just went through a kind of a slump at some point. I think there's no reason they can't have as good, if not better, of a season again. I think really the CAA has changed a little bit. Towson will always be pesky, as will Drexel and Stony Brook is a new wild card. But I think if you're a Delaware Blue Hen fan, you should be walking into the season thinking, there is no excuse why we don't win the CAA and get an automatic bid and, quite frankly, win another first-round game. I think that's the expectation for the Blue Hens. I think this program is heading in a great direction. And I think, yeah, like, they deserve a spot in that top 20, and I'm, I'm happy that the three of us agreed on that. Two words. Owen Grant. That man is a lockdown. And I, I'll, I'll say it and I'll harp on it throughout the entire year. I think when a team has that true number one defenseman that can lock down a star attackman. It's the world of difference. I, I know that I'm a big Gavin Adler fan, really big Gavin Adler advocate. And I think the reason that Cornell is so good, one of them is because Gavin Adler watching him play, he makes so many good plays and the same thing for Owen Grant. It's, it's the kind of caliber defenseman where if you even throw the ball to the man he's covering, Sometimes you're hesitant to do that no matter how good that man is because it's just giving him an opportunity to take the ball away and give it back for his team. And I think Owen Grant is that kind of game-changing defenseman that can do that. And I think that it's not just him on this team, obviously. There's a lot of other guys. Um, uh, What's his name? Mike Robinson, also on attack. Honorable mention for All-American preseason. So, like, they've they've got other guys on the that fill out the rest of this roster that I think – they should win a, a very evenly skilled CAA conference this year Yes, and around all teams. Uh, I know none of them are in the top 25, but I'm pretty sure the rest of the teams that we have are around like that 30 to 40 middle of the pack area. And there's none that aren't are just terrible. So well, maybe a couple, but for the most part, it's well, really. Yeah. All right. The average. <laughs> yeah. Let's I will we'll get too ahead of myself there. But, but yeah, I, I do think Delaware. this Delaware team is going to be fun to watch. Delaware opens the season against UPenn this year. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. But the rest of their schedule looks, you know, I mean, it, it's the it's what I would expect um, with uh, with some outliers like Villanova and Michigan and um, making the, making their schedule. So I think uh, I think Delaware is going to be interesting this year. All right, so our number 17 team that we've got in our rankings is the next ACC team. We've got North Carolina at 17. I I know I harped on this team a lot, and I didn't talk them up too much in our conference preview, but I still think UNC is good. I think Breshi's a fantastic coach. I think Breshi gets this team, gets everything out of this team that he possibly can get with the roster that he has year in, year out. I think the defense will improve. That's my big question mark for this team is how good their defense is. I think they'll improve. I think a lot of that too is Craig has some good experience now. I think he'll become a better stopper. Uh, And 
they're also getting some really good key transfers in that portal. They lost a lot of guys. They lost a good amount of seniors. The UNC and the Georgetown pipeline is real. Two more this year, Jacob Kelly and uh, who, oh my God, who was the Nikki Solomon. Both of them left two more this year. Not to mention Mm -hmm. Will Bowen's still there after transferring two years ago. So uh, it's, you know, I think North Carolina is going to be a fun team to watch again. I, well, granted, I say that for every single team because I think every team's fun to watch. But I think they'll be an interesting one to watch. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if they actually can do anything in the ACC. But I think they're right there at that fringe 20 area. It's a hard team to gauge. And I mean, the ACC, because they had such a bad year, is in many ways so hard to predict. I think outside of Virginia and Notre Dame, I think North Carolina, Duke, or Syracuse could very, very easily finish fifth in the conference. And I, no, I don't think any of us would be that surprised. Um, I'd be I very think, surprised if Duke finished fifth. I'd be very surprised. I'd give you that, but I think it's possible. It's, it, it's not yeah. out of the question. If North Carolina yeah. and Syracuse get, get one on them, look, I won't be as surprised if North Carolina finishes fifth. For me, they're probably leader in the pack to finish with quite fifth, quite frankly, over Syracuse. But they're the UNC, to your point, Coach Bresci, fantastic figurehead in the sport, quite frankly. And mm-hmm. he's going to attract always great recruits. And look, ACC schools, it's a, it's a different brand of lacrosse. We know it. I mean, every you know, increasingly conferences like the Ivy and Big Ten are really emerging. But the ACC is always going to remains kind of the the conference to beat. And so I think to give UNC the respect, same thing with Syracuse, they deserve, quite frankly. I mean, they're going to have a good year. And just the question is, can they beat their conference opponents? Yeah. Yeah, I can see them being a pesky team this year. Um, I think that if they want to see a lot of success this year, I think they have to embrace the underdog mentality. Um because if you look at, I, I'm not sure what USILA um, put them at, but we had them pretty low, and I think they had them pretty, pretty low in the rankings as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, if Breshi brings his guys together and say, nobody out here is betting on us to be successful in the ACC, let's just go punch them in the mouth and play UNC lacrosse. And I think that's with, especially with all the guys that they have lost over the years. Um, they still have some experienced guys on, on the, uh, on the sideline who can step up and make plays for them. So, um, I'm not completely sold on UNC, but if they embrace that underdog mentality, I think they can, you know, shock some people this year. Uh, and speaking of more pesky teams at number 16, we have the army black Knights who I think, is just probably one of the toughest teams to game plan for because they're they're gonna look you in the eye and punch you in the mouth every game. Like they those are some of the toughest dudes in the country. Um, and with the I think they have a lot of returners. Let me look at my 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 notes here. So they're returning three seniors who were top five in points for them last year. Um, starting defense is gonna look younger but they have some senior leadership at the midfield and uh, a couple of guys are close so i'm not too concerned there um 
if they come out and play every game like they did Cornell last year, they're going to be a big problem. They're going to be a big problem in the Patriot League. Um, I think if you're Boston, you are looking at Army and you are circling that on your – that's the first game you have circled on your calendar. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Army year in, year out is a tough team. I think they'll be good again. Um, also really well coached, and they always put up a good fight against any team, even if they're not ranked. They always put up a good fight. I know I feel like every single year the Syracuse Army game that they play – it just is a dog fight, no matter what. And that kind of, I think, is just the embodiment of Army. And I don't think they're going to just completely blank out of the polls this year, even though they lost, um, oh, my God. My boy, Nick Turn. Nick Turn, thank you. Even mm-hmm. though they lost him, which is a big loss, but I don't think they're just going to fall off the face of the, face of the earth. They my need to. Uh... Army, Army's got to be pissed. And I think they got to be pissed for good reason in that they've had, I would say, as far back as going five years, a really solid team every year that is expected to win the Patriot every year. And Loyola or Lehigh, Boston U or Navy last year, that last in the Army-Navy game, has just stunned them. And I think every year they walked off looking at themselves saying, why aren't we in the tournament? Why aren't we going further? We're better than this. And I don't know if this is the Army roster to finally say we are better than this and let's show people. But I think that's got to be the mentality of this of this squad. I, I think they're a team with their toughness that, yeah, if they bring it, they can take down anyone. But they have to bring it. And I think as much as Boston U circling them, I think they've got Boston U circled 10 times over. Look, watch out for that game. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame needs to play Army again. At some point, just so we can have a recreation of that bull dodge moment to for, uh, on the the game for the game winning goal, like I see that on my timeline once in a while, like on Twitter or Instagram, and I'm just like, oh, I remember watching that game and just got me so fired up. All right. Oh, and uh, sorry for the delay there. We have at number fifteen, we have Jacksonville, oh, which. I mentioned earlier, Max Wahlbaum is returning, and with Dylan Watson transferring, they they're going to be problems on the oh. defensive side of the field for these opposing teams. All kinds of problems. Yeah, they they just have so many options. Dylan Watson, you know, what you see on paper is what you get. Like the dude had what 58, 58 goals, um, however many assists last year. Like. He was he was a uh, becoming a star in his own right at Georgetown, and now he's coming down and playing for Galloway's team. Like they're they're just they're going to be a tough team this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they shocked many teams at Duke, um, but you know, yeah, no, I'm excited for this team. I I was planning on going to go see them this weekend because um, my little brother's uh, scrim- Lynchburg team is scrimmaging them on Saturday. But unfortunately, I won't be able to make it down there. Um, but yeah, we'll get no, some insider it, notes as to how they look then. Yeah, they like uh, man, they're just gonna be they're gonna be so good this year. I'm excited. Um, the only problem I have with them is their defense. Their defense looks pretty young, but if you look at the teams in the ASUN, you know, a majority of teams have 
some younger guys on offense and defense as well. I don't think that it should be a big difference for them. I think, you know, as far as defense goes, you just have to gain some confidence in the first few games and, you know, just continue rolling um, by the time you hit the midseason mark. It seems to me in the NFL, most in like the last decade, there's been a very clear Super Bowl hangover. Few exceptions, Kansas City otherwise, but like look at the Rams this year. Went for a Super Bowl, got it, and just through injuries or otherwise, not a very good football team. Why am I talking about that? Because I think that could be the Jacksonville Dolphins this year. I'm not saying it will be, but my point is when a team kind of from nowhere in the greater lacrosse world comes out and stuns the lacrosse world time and time over again last year and vaults itself into contention. And with the exception of a poor performance in championship game, would be making headlines in the national tournament. What do they do with that? Do they have an ego now? Do they think they can walk over people in the A Sun? I don't know. I don't think Galloway is the type of guy to let that happen and that have a sense of complacency on his team. But it is it is a question mark for me. I think we have them exactly where they belong, uh, ranking wise. But I think how this team handles their success from last year and approaches games like a Duke, like a Utah will reveal a lot. I agree with you somewhat. I think I'd be more on that. Yes, they could have a hangover. Had they not lost that conference tournament championship to Richmond, I think that was a smack in the face. And yes, I think if they had won that, there might've been that some evidence where they'd been like, okay, you just kind of walk through your conference, had like a crazy out of nowhere. No one, pick them to win that conference by any right or do that well in that conference by any right and get an AQ. And they just did it out of nowhere and seemingly like easy by that margin too. I think them losing made a lot of the seniors say, Hey guys, come on. Like this is, we got to play some, or like, you know, do better. <laughs> like just do better. I mean, Richmond, better. I know means are they a bad team, but that was a team they had beaten already earlier that year. And I think, we all know it is hard to beat a team twice in a season, especially a team like Richmond that is coached that well. But those are the kind of teams, if you actually want to take that next step as a program, you have to beat them twice in a year, especially a team like that in your own conference. Now they don't have Richmond in their conference anymore, but I think the point still stands. And I mean, they've got Hopkins and Duke first two games this year. I think they'll be very telling. They play high point again this year, regardless of them not being in the conference anymore. Uh, I think that'll be a really good game as well. Uh, I think, once again, I think Watson getting to this team brings a lot of experience. I mean, he's been on that Georgetown team that's had two heartbreaking losses in the NCAA playoffs now at this point. So I think he'll bring some good experience and insight to this team that only has really experienced a conference playoff loss. But that is some good experience to bring back still. So I, I think they'll kind of motivate themselves a little bit. And I think Galloway won't let them get too much in their heads and get an inflated ego either. So our next team at number 14 is a team that I love and I wish I could rank them higher, but I don't, I'm a little scared to rank them higher than 14 right now is St. Joseph's the Hawks. I am so high on this team. I, I think that they're going to win the a 10 I think they're going to show that new conference that they're the boss. And I, I just think 
this team is so well-rounded to me in my mind. And they're returning so much of the experience of a team that did so well last year. And I think it's a team too, that isn't one that is going to have that Super Bowl hangover. And I think they're just going to be hungry for more because they were in so many close games and they know like the taste of defeat and the taste of victory because they did win the conference championship. But also, mind you, they lost an OT game to Penn that was a really, really close, hard-fought game. And then, of course, that heartbreaking loss to Yale in the playoffs last year, too. So they've been on both ends of the stick. I think that this team's going to come back. Zach Cole, I mean, just the man dominates the face-off X when he's on the ball. And he's just so good at... The thing about Zach Cole is his way to adjust to another face-off man, too. I'm pretty sure his face-off percentage jumped by, like, 20% in the second half compared to the first half, which is incredible. And they're returning seven of their top eight point scores. Their entire offense is coming back. They're they're not missing a beat at all. I think St. Joe's is a great team. Um, I think it's a criminal that Levi Anderson was not a preseason All-American, at least an honorable mention. Criminal that's ridiculous that's ridiculous mind. that's ridiculous uh, i i think that it it's because of the fact attack is really loaded this year just as a position so i can kind of get it but it's still criminal in my mind he's he's so good I, I just i guess he's a midfielder too i don't think he's listed as an attackman um either way still blows my mind but i, I think this team's great i think they're going to make some strides i think that they could be higher than 14 it's not going to surprise me if they finish higher than 14. I really hope they do. I don't want them to fall off. They play Army first game of the season, and I think that's going to be a really telling game to how their season goes, and I'm really excited for that matchup. That Army, I know we're not, we are, we're not previewing Week 0 yet. That'll be coming in a little bit. But that Week 0 game against Army, in my opinion, unequivocally the game of the weekend to start yeah. the college lacrosse season would tell us a lot about Army, a lot about St. Joe's. I'm going to shut up because I think Dryban, I think St. Joe's staff should hire you on Hawk Hill to recruit for that team. I mean, I don't think anyone <laughs> could give a better pitch than that. So I agree. I'm, I'm with you on St. Joe's. Yeah, no, I'm on that train with you, with you, brother. Like St. Joe's, they're a great team, great coach team. Um, I, I agree with you. I wish I could rank them higher. I think I put them at 11 in my early rankings, um, but I think I put them down at like 15, 16 in the end. But I like them here at the 14 spot. Um, that army that army game in the beginning of the year is going to be it. it that, there there are a lot of games in opening weekend and through the month of February that are potentials for game in the year. And I think that is definitely a candidate for that one. At 13, I'm interested myself in this team and why we have them where we are. It's the Harvard Crimson. And I'll be honest, I had them as number 10 in mine. And I recognize that that was probably a little overreaching for the Crimson. But I knew, I knew that my compatriots here would probably rank them much lower. So I thought, you know what? No, the Crimson deserve some respect. They're going in my top 10. So here we are. They're at 13. And I think maybe a little higher than maybe they should be. But I, I love it. And I think the Crimson, 
I think the Crimson deserve a lot of respect for making the tournament. As much as people are pissed off that Notre Dame didn't get in, I think that team had a great year. They showed what Crimson Lacrosse can be all about in the years to come, given their youth. And I think that's precisely why I ranked them where, where I did and why they are where they are in our rankings. Like this team has incredible potential, has an incredible coach with an incredible defensive mind. And I think the great thing about this team is that you have Jerry Burns defensive prowess showcasing every week. But then you also have the Ivy League flair of incredibly talented attackmen and midfielders that score 18 to 21 goals a game once you get down the stretch. So I think that combination can prove to be incredibly dangerous. I think Harvard needs to put pretty much all the other teams in the Ivy League on upset watch. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Crimson make the tournament again. I think the thing that sets Harvard apart that that they want to capitalize, I think, that if they can, if they can use them right, I think they can pull off a good amount of upsets this year, is their defensive midfield unit. I think they've got... Uh, Greg Kempisi, their long stick midfielder, who was a freshman last year, I think. Incredible. Uh, I I mean, he was great. He's one of the – he does throw a little bit of home run checks um, at Rutgers game when they played them in the playoffs. He had a couple misses. Uh, but, I mean, he's a great player, and they push transition. I think that's what Harvard does really, really well is transition play. They push transition hard. And they get it right. I mean, their attack, flashy, like how all Ivy League attackmen have become recently. And their defense does hold it down when they need it to. And I think they'll be a very interesting team. I think it's just that they're really young still to me. And that's why I wouldn't. They're a good team, and I think they have the skills to be 13. But I think their experience is going to bite them back, and they might fall a little bit in the rankings as the season goes on. But I like them at 13 right now. Yeah, I like them here too. Um, they're definitely the least talked about Ivy League team, mm-hmm. I think, this year. Besides, besides, besides Dartmouth. Dartmouth. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, well, we don't need to go there, do we? Um, but I think that makes them pretty dangerous as well, um, especially having them ranked this high. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're right there with the rest of the Ivy league, Ivy league teams. Um, I think we almost, we had almost everybody else in the top 10. So, you know, don't count on Harvard. I, it's the same thing. I, yeah. I, same point I made about UNC. You guys are the underdog. Nobody is giving you guys a chance. Let's go out there and shut everybody else up. Um, and another team, I don't, this, so going on to our next team, another team, I don't, think is being talked about that much this year but can definitely make some noise is Ohio State um again not much to add I'm interested to see what you guys think um not much to add from my conference preview um I'm just excited to see these guys play they have five transfers um who Mm -hmm. all have potential to see the field you know Jack Myers coming back leading the offense is a huge plus um I'm really excited to see this guy, Ari Allen, or Ari Allen. I'm not sure about the pronunciation there. Um, he was a second-line guy, saw some time, um, but he's going to be stepping into that mid, that starting midfield role. Very din- dynamic player. I think he's. I think he can make a big difference and uh, provide some good looks for OSU. Um, 
just keep an eye out uh, uh, in the middle of the season because they have UNC, UVA. Uh, sorry, tiny tiny text on my notes here. Uh, Cornell and Notre Dame. So Gauntlet. very Good tough four-game stretch. I think three of those games are at home, so edge to OSU there. Um, I think... I think these are going to be some of the best games of the season, um, depending on you know how everybody else turns out at the start of the season. But you know that Cornell game, they're gonna they're looking for blood in the water, um, especially after that NCAA game last year. Notre Dame, UVA, not much not much to say there. UNC is gonna you know UNC is gonna want to punch them in the mouth after that embarrassing loss last year. So. Some very good stretch of games, also a very tough stretch of games for OSU, but I'm excited for them. I think they have a really good chance at an at-large bid if they win three of these four games. If they win three of these four games, I'm throwing a party. I don't care. <laughs> they, yeah, I mean, if they win three of those four games, almost a definitive tournament lock, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the only thing I'll add to Ohio State is as Voight has been convincing me and we've been talking and otherwise, we have Rutgers ranked ahead of Ohio State now. We'll get to Rutgers in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Could very easily see Ohio State take over that number two spot in the Big Ten this year over yeah, Rutgers. Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm just excited to see it play out because I think, I think that new lacrosse stadium at Ohio State mentally to have that credibility on campus and to have a place that's yours playing in the shoes cool but it's freaking empty the whole time now you have your own stadium only the cross lines on the field like that validation i think can create some some positive vibes on campus and make some cool atmosphere games also probably one of the coolest midfield logos that i've seen yes. on the cross field but also like that is that is pretty sweet uh it's the ohio state you know standard logo and it's inside of a white um outline of the uh, state of ohio very cool midfield logo it is very nice yeah i think ohio state this year just not to add on too much if they just go back to their roots their defense is really good they've got some really good close defensemen this year i think if they just go back to playing in my mind ohio state ball lock down close defense and then hit them in transition with some good set plays on offense. If they do that, yes, I think they have a good chance of making Rutgers run for their money for that two seed uh, in the Big Ten. So at number 11, just above Ohio State, we've got our next Ivy League team. We've got the Brown Bears. This team, I think... Now every single Ivy League team that we go on from after Harvard, Harvard's the only one that doesn't really have that star, like generational talent on their offensive end that just puts that team kind of above and beyond. And for Brown, that is Devin McLean, their attackman. He is absolutely a dog. He runs that offense uh, without – Ogvin there will be a little bit of a different feel for this offense, but I, I think McLean's just going to take the reins. He's going to run with it. I mean, he ran it when Ogvin was there last year. I think he's still going to run it this year. Um, 
and then just to basically counter him with Connor Theralt, their goalie. It's just an exciting team to watch. And I mean, they can punch you on the mouth in both ends and make what I think and what I consider are just kind of like demoralization plays, plays where you kind of have to take a second look and look at it again and go, did he really just do that? Did he just make that play where it's some acrobatic stop stop by Theral, or if it's some kind of crazy one-handed goal from McLean, I, I think this team will hit you as we saw last year. I mean, they turned it on the second half of the season. Um, so I think they're gonna be really exciting to watch. Uh, this is a lot higher than they were ranked and people did not have high expectations for them last year. So it would be kind of interesting to see how daily has this team respond to high expectations this time around, but I think they'll play well. I think they're going to, once again, in this competitive Ivy league, I think they're going to have one or two upsets that they get some games that people don't think should go their way. will go their way, but I think they will be fun to watch. Brown probably hasn't been this exciting since Dale Malloy. And yeah, Dale Malloy wasn't that long ago. But I feel like once Dylan Malloy left and Lars Tiffany left, we were like, mm, Brown's kind of, quite frankly, like on the same level as Dartmouth in many respects. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's real excitement with this team. And I think I think that's cool for lacrosse. I think Brown's a really cool program situated in Rhode Island. Last year, I would say that I was the most excited watching Brown play. Like, Brown gave energized to me watching a lacrosse game. Most of the time I'm pretty tame, just like to watch and analyze and do different things. I, I was excited watching the the Bears play every, every game. And I'll say it again. That's why I took them to beat Virginia. It was a huge, huge underdog game, but they were capable. And I think they're capable of doing something like that again this year. I think, man, are they going to have a, have a tough time winning the Ivy? I don't know if they can, but I think, they need to take care of business out of conference and, and figure out an at-large bit if they can't secure that that conference championship. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Devin McLean's a human highlight reel, man. Like, he's he just makes plays when he needs to make plays, and that seems like something he can very easily replicate this year. Um, he's probably going to have the, the ball on his stick uh, a little bit more this year. Um, with a few guys leaving, but you know, I don't, I don't see that as a big disadvantage for them. You know, um, Devin McLean and that Brown team is going to be a big problem this year, especially in the Ivy League. So going now, we're breaking into the top ten boys. At number ten, don't agree with it, but my bias is going to show is Duke. Um, <laughs> Boy, I remind you of the three of us. You had Duke ranked the highest of the three of us. <laughs> Did I really? Your bias. Wow, yeah, you I had was... them at 10. Did I really? I you I did. You up. were the only one I'm... to put them inside the top 10 out of the three of us. Which I don't think is wrong. I will say I do think Duke as, you know, as much as I don't like them, Duke is Duke and they're not falling off. They still have some really good pieces. Okay, I see where my problem ran. I see where I ran into my problem. I was looking at the cells in the Microsoft Excel sheet, and it's at eleven. I thought I put them at eleven. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, So yeah, uh, another error on my part. uh, My on my part. Sorry, Richmond. Um, Not sorry, Duke. Um, 
but yeah, uh, just to just to get back on track, we like look. Duke's, Duke's a great team. They're a great team every year. They're gonna play great lacrosse. Um, I'm just worried that you know the ball is is just gonna live in Brennan O'Neill's stick, and you know again, not a bad thing, but. I think if they want to have more success this year, Brennan O'Neill is going to have to play the role of a passer and a shooter as well. You know, he was, in my eyes, he was mainly a shooter last year who would just bully you um, on the left side and, you know, just stuff it over your head or throw it around his back or something like that. And I have no doubt in my mind that he can do that is just how much he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um but I also don't know much about this Duke team this year, other than that, like, you know, they're going to be pretty solid again. So I'm interested what you guys think. Uh, I know you had them ranked a little lower than I did. So I hear, think what you're spot that. on with that. You're, you're spot on in that this is probably, in most recent memory, the least household name star-studded Duke team that we've seen. Like, Brennan O'Neill, of course, but outside of that, not a lot, not a lot of household names in the college across landscape, and that might be a good thing, given you know Janowski's ability to, to coach phenomenally. Um, and I, I think this team's been in, in a funny way like disrespected. I think to a certain extent, losing to Jacksonville, like losing or playing close games to High Point and things like that, like. Their they their whole philosophy to a lacrosse season is the antithesis of Maryland. It is let's play as many games as possible. Let's try to grow the game playing you know maybe not as high caliber opponents. And I think that's an admirable thing. But I think we've seen that that wears the squad down in late April and May. So we're going to ask ourselves the question again: Do they have a February slump? And until they prove us otherwise, I think they do but they'll probably respond as they always do and they'll be a contender. And I think 10 is probably right. Yeah. I I think that's, I mean, that's been the calling card for Duke the past, like five or even longer seasons where they always have a string of games where in February, like, it's just Duke's off year. Are they going to like fall and stumble and not return again? And this year it was the only year where they really kind of, they did kind of come back from it, but they shot themselves in the foot too much at the beginning of the season where they didn't make, the playoffs. And I think that is going to light a fire in their ass. Uh, I think Danowski is going to be like, guys, come on, this is Duke lacrosse. Like we can't miss back-to-back seasons in the playoffs. Like I think he's built a culture there to the point where he's not going to allow that. And I think for that to really happen, I think a big key piece in their offense is Andrew McAdory. He's going to be a sophomore this year. He was a freshman midfielder last year. I think with the pieces they had graduating on their offensive side, I think he's going to have to kind of step up and be that downhill dodging threat that can complement O'Neal from X. Um, I think if he can step his game up, he had, I think he broke Duke's record for most points as a freshman in their program history, which is impressive to do because Duke's had some great players come through that started right away in that program. Uh, I think for them to break through, he needs to have a a good, good season just to complement O'Neal. Like we said, it can't just be him with the ball on a stick every single play. And their defense is good as always. So I, I think Duke right at 10 is going to be a solid position for them at the beginning of the year. So at number nine, we've got Rutgers. Very close to Ohio State, like we said. 
I personally think Rutgers is definitely still second in Big Ten play. Um, I even had them a little bit higher than nine on my own rankings. Uh, I think this Rutgers team is going to be really good again. Um, they return a lot of good players. Uh, my favorite being Ross Scott, their attackman, third team All-American. He's electric to watch play. And he's got Shane Noblock from the midfield that compliments him coming from up top. And then it doesn't end there. Their defense is also fantastic. Ethan Rawl, first team LSM, who's a lockdown defenseman that is amazing transition. And I think one big thing for Rutgers too, uh, this year they're getting David Sprock back on midfield. He was their fourth leading point scorer in 2021. He missed last year with an injury that he had in preseason. He was fourth leading point scorer only behind Charlene Bietis, Kirst, and Mullins. So he was running that offense with some of the big names that were big names at Rutgers for a long time. And I think getting his experience back and just another additional piece in the midfield is going to be huge for this team. Uh, they don't have too terrible of a schedule up until they play Princeton. That game's massive. That will be a really telling game for both teams, <laughs> not yeah. just Rutgers. Uh, so uh, I think depending on how that game goes, I think they could be undefeated until that point. And then that'll be a, it'll be a slugfest. Yeah. Rutgers is, uh, they're in danger of losing that two spot to Ohio state. Um, you know, especially with, you know, Ohio state and Michigan, you know, getting better, you know, that, Earning that two spot, earning that two seed in the Big Ten is going to be huge. Um, earning that one and two seed in, in the Big Ten is going to be huge. Um, I'll make my points about Maryland when we get to it, but yeah, the Big Ten I think is very much up in the air. I would say so. Rutgers that game against Princeton is going to be very telling of you know how the rest of their season is going to go and how they respond is definitely going to play a big part in that. That goes without saying. I think we're getting to the point in the rankings where we actually have less to say about teams because it's like, yeah, they're a top 10 team. And until they do something really bad or really, really good, they're going to continue to be a top 10 team. And I think that's the epitome of Rutgers, where Coach Brecht over the past three to four years has built up his program to be able to wear Lacrosse fans like us and commentators on TV can say, yeah, look, Rutgers is a top 10 team and they should be a top 10 team. They ex should expect to be a top 10 team. The hump is Maryland for them. It, it's and quite frankly, Maryland's the hump for anyone in the Big Ten. But if Rutgers can somehow pull that miracle off and set Hopkins aside, robbery, things like that. That is huge, right? For Rutgers, it was Make the tournament. Okay, we did that. Make the Final Four. Okay, we did that. Now, I, I think it really is less about the NCAA tournament and more about can you beat Maryland? Can you win a Big Ten championship? That's got to be the goal. And I think it's a reasonable goal and it's an attainable goal. But I think that's that's the direction Rutgers has got has to take in order to make mm -hmm. it to the next level. Next up, I'm going to talk about these two teams together because... I'm going to talk about both of them, but also I think because they're just very similar and probably could be swapped. So call them both ranked at seven and a half. That is 
Yale at eight and Penn at seven. So yes, we are deep, deep within Ivy League territory now. Um, and I think it's, for me at least, it's very clear why I have Yale beneath Penn, but by like 0.01. And that's simply because I think Penn has way more of a strong returning senior class that has produced for this program the past couple of years that I'm incredibly excited to see breach the mountaintop. And I think for Yale, they've already reached it. And so I think Penn just has that extra motivation than Yale. And quite frankly, Yale reminds us a little bit of Harvard in their youth in some in some areas that raises some questions. But Coach Shea has really since the Ben Reeves era made this program spectacular. That Brandau, I I think we could all agree, agree is probably the Tourton leader going into the year. I would say so, along with yep. Sam Hanley. I don't, and that's why again, why I have these two teams together. Um, Ivy League lacrosse, like it's going to be exciting. Each of these teams could win the conference easily. Each of these teams could, quite frankly, like be a two or three seed for that matter um, in the tournament. So I think we're we're good, we're smart and wise to have them together. And I think really it'll be challenging for them to separate from one another until they play each other, unless you know they blow blow some terrible game. But I just I just don't see that happening. I agree with that. I. I think both these teams are going to be exciting to watch this year. And this Ivy League, like we've been saying, is just so condensed. And the skill set is, I mean, these teams are so skilled. It's, it gets to a point where you're almost like, wow, how much more skilled is this team besides this one? Because there's players that can change a game on every single team. So it is really, really close between both those teams. And I, I think Yale is an experience, but I think that, they do have some experience that is still bringing them. I, I, Matt Brambauer, I think the team's just going to ride him and like ride on his back. Like he's going to, going to carry this team as far as he can possibly take them. And I think this year it's going to be a lot easier for him because his supporting cast is going to be a lot better. Not just a bunch of freshmen that just joined the team, just starting to get the hang of everything. And now he's got a whole year to work with them. All the other two offense, like the other two attackmen that are starting with him. Are coming back so he's got a year of chemistry working with those guys I, I think this team will be fun to watch and Penn like you said Sam Hanley big Sam Hanley hand he's a man amongst boys when he steps on the lacrosse field he's just uh he's a game breaker not just a game changer he's a game breaker and I think letting him play out of the midfield last year was when he really clicked and started to actually play at an insanely high level for Penn and I know that's going to happen again this year, and it'll be fun to watch him just kind of <laughs> embarrass teams and defenses again. Yeah, no, the uh, I'm excited for that U Penn Yale game because that's gonna that's gonna have a a lot of uh, I feel like that's gonna have a lot of tort on moments for those two guys, Brandau and Hanley. Um, just because I think, what year is Hanley? Is he a junior or this a senior? This is last year. Senior. This is last year. So they're they're both seniors. They're gonna want to ball out. Um, it's a conference rival. This is gonna be. It's gonna probably the most. Probably they're gonna be the most physical game of the year, in my opinion, as far as Ivy League games games go. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for these two, those two teams to duke it out in the middle of the season. So for our sixth team, right above the two of them is another rivalry league. We've got Princeton right here at number six. I'm pretty sure I'm the one that's the highest on Princeton out of the three of us. And uh, I would say so. But to be fair, I also had Penn at four. So yeah, uh, I I really I like had this the, I had Princeton. I had Princeton right at the sixth spot. Okay. I think that they're great. Six of their top seven point scores are returning. I think that Princeton is kind of, they're also similar to Penn and Yale, I think. But I think what pushes them over the top is the fact that they just have such a good mix of young with experience, in my opinion. Um, And their whole team just kind of complements each other. They're going to be led by Jake Stevens and Sam English, both second team All-Americans this year. And then they've got some great pace play in transition with Bo Peterson, who's their short stick defensive midi and pace Billings, their LSM who can push it in transition. And Sandoval was 54% from the X as a sophomore last year for them. So I think that they've got all the pieces. The only big question mark that they have obviously is Eric Peters, their goalie graduated. They're going to have to fill that void because he was Definitely a cornerstone of that defense uh, and their transition game as well. So seeing how their goal, backup goalie plays, I know he played in a little bit of games last year, and I don't think he did pretty well. But, I mean, granted, you know, those are just the cameo appearances at the end of games that goalies have when they're backups. Uh, really excited to see this team play. I think they did great last year just coming out of nowhere. I, I think that's what made them so fun and why I'm so high on them is that they just play with energy, played fast. Uh, you know, even in games where like, in like the first time they saw BU, that was a game where people were like, wow, that, you know, maybe Princeton's going to get upset by this or like something's going to happen. And they just handled BU easily. Uh, they didn't even let them into that game at any point in time. So I really enjoy this Princeton team. I think they're at six. Uh, I think they could even go higher. I think they could try to make a run with all the experience they brought back from last year. So it'll be fun to watch them. I got nothing else for the Tigers. That's I, I I think really we just we just talked about Yale and, and Penn together. You're right. You can probably loop Princeton in. I, I definitely can see what you're saying and them being a little bit higher. I think the rest of the country would probably have them a little bit higher as well. Yeah, I, I, that's all I got. I mean, I think they have a great out-of-conference schedule again. I believe it's going to be a test. This team doesn't make the tournament. Big, big disappointment. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, Princeton f- falls under that category for me of fun teams to watch. Um, just because I, you know, Tom Schreiber went to Princeton. That was probably when I st- started getting onto the Princeton train a little mm-hmm. bit because I'm I'm a big fan of the Archers. Um, please go far in the championship series, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Yeah, no, they're they're a fun team to watch. They're well coached. Um, having a big season last year, they're going to want to replicate the success that they had last year again. Um, I can definitely see them going higher this year. They, I'm really excited for them to go up against Cornell because I think just that's a fun matchup to watch. Also, probably a fun jersey game to watch as well. Just seeing those colors on the field is like very uh, it it boosts my serotonin levels. <laughs> Pretty colors. <laughs> yeah, pretty colors on the screen. 
Boys, do you hear a distance in the distance a a, a sound? Because I, I feel like I, I hear something. Is that is, it, uh, is that is that bagpipes? Oh yeah, I, no, I think I it too. is from from South too. Bend, Indiana. I'm I'm pretty sure. That's right. We're in the top five, and wouldn't you know it, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are right there. We're back to the ACC. Boyd and I, I know, are very high on Notre Dame from last year. Man, is this team gotta be still royally pissed off about having to sit home in the month of May. Yeah. I think that we, the three of us really agreed that going into the tournament on Selection Sunday, of every team in the country, Notre Dame probably had the best chance of beating Maryland. And they weren't even given a, a, a whiff of it. Is that the case this year? Potentially, but man, should this team be salivating at their season. Notre Dame is never going to play a lot of games, probably 12 or 13. I, last time I checked, they are the only Division One team to have yet to release their schedule. I'm sure it'll be coming very soon if it hasn't already. But this is a team that does things kind of their own way. They have their own demands. This kind of reminds you of their football team as well as, as being an independent. But this team should be exuding excitement on the lacrosse field to be exuding revenge in literally every single game to try to just prove the committee wrong from last year. I think this team's very, very dangerous. I think their known talents, both from years prior and transfers, are known across the lacrosse world. Like, watch out. Uh, as a interjection, and to add to this, Notre Dame's schedule is finally up. They is play... It? Beginning on February 25th to March 11th, they play three games in a row at Georgetown, at Maryland, at home against Ohio State. That is a gauntlet of games right there that is only made for the tried and true. And the only thing I really want to say about Notre Dame that is going to take them far this year is the Cavanaugh's. I think them stepping up their game, I think they're going to step up their game. I think this offense is going to be clicking, and their defense is – it's Notre Dame's defense. It's always good. I mean, Entman, too, they have the best goalie in the country. Like, I mean, it, it, this is going to be a tough team to beat by any means. Dryband, where are you seeing that schedule? Because I'm looking at their schedule from last season, and those are the same exact three games. On the 2023 schedule on Inside Lacrosse. I went inside lacrosse. Okay. How is inside lacrosse ahead of the school itself? Right, right. <laughs> that's that's what it says. Uh, yeah. Um, just to kind of add on to that, yeah. Notre Dame, they're going to be more bitter than vinegar this year. Um, that it, it was a crime that they did not make the tournament last season. Um especially with how good they played in the in the final stretch of the season. Um, just another team that's just going to want to punch you in the mouth um, at the start of every game because they, they know how talented they are and they know where they can go at the, at the end of the season. They are by and far a top five team in my opinion. Uh, next team we got up, we have 
the 2022 runner-ups, Cornell Big Red. Uh, I'm I'm very excited for this team. Four preseason All-Americans. Uh, we talked about them earlier. Gavin Adler is coming back. Um, just a stud on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Kirst, Aiden Blake, Hugh Keller. Um, all four of those guys are preseason All-Americans this year. Uh, I saw Glazer in your notes that you that you were questioning it that you were wondering about Erlen. He's going to be back for another season. So, you know, they got their they got their stud in the cage. Uh, check and his coaching staff are great. I don't see why they can't repeat their repeat the success that they had last year. You know, having a going to the national championship last year is a big reason why we ha- I think we have them in the top five. And, you know, we said earlier, any of these Ivy League teams can be top five. So they definitely have a tall task ahead of them uh, with the competition that they got. Uh, but I'm very excited for, to see this team. And like I said, I'm excited to see that Princeton game, man. It's, uh, it's going to be – they're going to be interesting to watch. The Bears will be hunted this year, uh, no doubt about it. You know, the whoever came atop the Ivy last year and made it the furthest was going to have a target on their back because of how many teams wanted that same spot. Cornell should have every reason to think they can make it back to championship weekend and, and win this year. They've got the pieces in cage and defense, midfield and attack. Like, they've got a great lineup. Clearly, whatever Connor Busick is doing up there, coaching, other people, other young coaches need to be taking notes in terms of relating to young men, galvanizing a squad. Because it is it is hard to live in Ithaca, New York. It is hard to coach and play lacrosse up there. You just need to be a different kind of person to want to buy into that culture and, and a team with such a great story and, and, and great tradition and a team team remembrances for different players and things like that. So. I think we're right to put Cornell highest among all the Ivies, but they're going to have to certainly prove it this year to stay there. Yeah. And I think it just, you got to heart back to the fact that this Cornell team last year also got kicked out in the semifinals for their conference tournament. I mean, they lost to Yale in the semifinals. They didn't even make it to the finals. So it's crazy. The team that got kicked out in the semifinals of their conference tournament is the team with the target on its back, just because they did so much better in the playoffs than every other team in their uh, conference. And I do think this team, like we said, a lot of experience coming back. I think they're really fun, fun to watch. And like I met, named dropped him earlier, Gavin Hadler. I think he's just fun to watch. He's a game breaker on defense. Uh, I don't throw that word around too kindly, but he, he is a game breaker. And I mean, just the way he takes the ball away and how he can lock down an opposing attackman and just, basically through that transitive property of locking down one man, lock down an entire offense sometimes and just break it for them. It's they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And now that we're getting into the home stretch here, we got our top three teams and at number three, don't agree with it. They should be number two, maybe number one, but that's just me. I know how you feel about I know how Blast you two feel me. about the the Hoyas the Hoyas. Um, so uh, we got, me. at at number three we have UVA. 
where they should be. I'm, I'm more interested in hearing what you guys have, what your guys' thoughts are on UVA, why you guys had them at three, because I had them at number two in my rankings. So I'm more interested in what you guys have to say. I, I, I have them at number three. By no means is this UVA team a pushover. This is a really good UVA team. And they only got better from last year, I think, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, nothing besides the fact that they're getting Schellenberger back. Like, come on. I mean, he is, by what it means to be a true quarterback of an offense, he embodies that role to a T. He does everything perfectly. Yep, and uh, they also have uh, the rest of their attack is coming back too. Xander Dixon, Cormier. Cormier is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated attackmen in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the kid's a wizard with a lacrosse stick. Um, and then you got you're adding McCov- or, McCovey. I, I keep saying it, McConvey, McConvey or Mc McCovney. Covney, the V is first. Okay. <laughs> yes, the V is first. Thomas okay. McCovney. Yeah. All right. I had it written as McConvey in my notes. I think that just auto-corrected, but I was like trying to like figure out words there for like ten seconds. <laughs> um, but they had that guy. They had Thomas. No. Yeah. Layered and into an already dynamic offense, and then you got a freaking linebacker, Ricky Mizon from Stanford, who is going to make every every single midfielder in the ACC piss their pants when they're trying to make run a dodge on him. So, yeah, I I for that for that reason I had them above Georgetown and we're going to talk about Georgetown in a second. I'm just I'm I'm banging my head against the wall, guys. <laughs> as a as a phenomenal lyricist recently put it, Taylor Swift, my girl. It's me, hi. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> oh my god! And I put Virginia at six. You had them at six. Yeah. I'm walking out of the room. I'm walking out of the room. And think about what you me, did. Let me let me tell you why. Now look, I don't like Virginia, and I didn't put them at six because I don't like them. I put them at six because I think there are five teams better than them right now. I think. Mm. This Virginia team is loaded with talent. I grant you that. But sometimes watching them last year, they reminded me of a really, really wealthy Premier League club that could buy whatever player they want, but for some reason, even with a great manager, can't find the chemistry. Yeah. That's the that's the closest thing I can I, I can correlate Virginia to. When they're on, oh man, are they really good? And they could easily beat Maryland at their finest, I think, this year. But the question for me is, will they be able to be on as a group together enough? Right yeah. now in January, I say no. And that's why I have them at six. I think they could easily win the national championship. I hope they don't as a fan. But I stand by, I stand by my ranking for now. I, I'll... <laughs> All right, at this point, to flesh out our top three, Georgetown's number two, and we've got Maryland at number one. And the reason I'm bringing them forward right now is because once we get down to these final three, it's really nitpicking hairs because they're all really good teams. I just think that 
Georgetown outclasses Virginia by just a little bit. And I think Maryland outclasses both of them by a little bit also. And my reasoning for that is just Virginia is a loaded team. Don't get me wrong. I just think that there are like just lapses. They have too many lapses for me as a team. I don't know if it was because of experience last year, but it seems like they've had it a lot. And I know that granted before last year, they had won two championships in a row. So they prove those moments of pure skill and athleticism, but last year they just didn't do it. And it fell short a lot and it all happened a lot. So until they can prove me wrong and like make me eat my words, and say like, hey, no, we actually are this polished, super high caliber team. We should be number one like we were two years ago. And just completely curb stomp some teams. I, I think the best thing to college lacrosse that just so happens to be this year is that Notre Dame and Virginia, their play twice a year in the ACC conference happens to be this year. So they'll both get to go eat each other at each place at each person's home at Notre Dame first. And then at Clockner the second time for Virginia's season ender. So I, I think those two games are going to just define this team season. If one of the other of Notre Dame or Virginia can get a sweep of the other team, uh, that'd be, I mean, just monumental for them. But I think Virginia could sweep Notre Dame. I think Virginia is a better team than Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's very good, but I think Virginia is better than them. And, I just have them as three. They don't have that final beat to go over the other two to me. Which segues into number two that we have is Georgetown. And we'll focus, I'll focus on them now. This team, I think, is just complete top to bottom. The only reason I don't have them as number one is because I think Tillman at Maryland just has a program that is an unstoppable train right now. And we'll talk about Maryland once we're done with Georgetown, but Georgetown's just, I mean, they are the transfer you. They took the title away from Rutgers. They've got five preseason All-Americans this year, ranging from first team to honorable mentions. I mean, uh, they got, to cap off their transfer list, Tucker Dordovic, obviously, coming in from Syracuse. He's a third-team All-American that they're getting as a transfer coming in. He's going to jump into that offense and just dominate. Uh, and then they also have Minicus from Colgate, who was their leading point scorer last year at Colgate, and he's coming to this offense. And they're adding Nikki Solomon and Jacob Kelly from UNC to just—they're not even going to be starters. They're just adding midfield depth at this point. They're getting starters from good teams as just midfield depth. And I think it's crazy that this team has so much to offer on top of that. I mean, they have the second best faceoff man in the country, only behind freaking Maryland, of course. But they have James Riley at the faceoff X, which I think is why catapults them to number two is that some of these strengths for other teams, like Virginia's one of their big strengths in the ACC, especially, is LaSala. LaSala is a dominant faceoff man. But you've got James Riley, who's arguably a little bit better. Obviously, when they go against each other, that'd be just a dogfight, and it'd probably go 50-50 unless one guy just outshines and is able to counter the other one better. But I think a team like Georgetown has everything they need to counter and punch back against a team like Virginia, which puts them better, in my opinion. And honestly, let me rephrase that. I think Georgetown is a team that Virginia can't counter. 
let me rephrase that. Since Georgetown, I think, is the better team. It's not Georgetown countering Virginia's the other way around. So that's why I have them as my number two. Boy, I think that Dryban went to St. Joe's for undergrad and just got his master's in Georgetown. Yeah. Because yeah. how else could someone speak so highly of two schools? I don't uh, know. I don't know. He, he did his homework. He did his homework for sure. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll cover Maryland as well in a second. I do have something to say about Georgetown, but you go ahead, Glazer. I I would <clears throat> I would have Georgetown at one if if I just didn't respect Maryland's and admire Maryland so much. But I think on paper, experience wise, we could be talking like the greatest talent wise lacrosse college lacrosse mm-hmm. team ever. Doesn't mean the greatest lacrosse team ever, but this team should walk into every game. I don't care if they're playing Virginia or Maryland or freaking St. Bonaventure. They should be able to say to themselves in the locker room, there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't win this game and win it by five goals. Yeah. And quite frankly, like if, if they, an undefeated season is so hard, but, and I don't think they do it, but this year they, they could come close. There, there's one innate problem that I have with Georgetown. Listen, they're a great team. They have great players. They have depth, as Dryden was saying. They're getting starters from school, from schools around the country, and they're putting them on their second line midfield. The the one problem that I have with Georgetown, and why I'm so reluctant to put them at a top two spot, um. Thought about putting them putting them at the them at four, but I had to respect Georgetown and the guys that they had to go out there. Um, the problem is that that I see is just that they have too is the fact that they have too much talent on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm worried about you know they got all these transfers, they got all these guys who have been playing at different schools for an, uh, um, an X amount of years. They've never played with these guys before other than, you know, this past fall and probably over the summer getting together in summer league games and such. Um, that's just my, my one main worry is just that they haven't they've had the disadvantage of having such a short amount of time to build chemistry and mesh together yeah. that, you know, I think UVA is a great example to put forth because you got guys like Schellenberger, Dixon, and Cormier have been playing for two, three years together with each other. They've built up that chemistry and they know where they're going to be on the field at certain points of the game. Um, That's just the problem I see with Georgetown right now. They have a lot of talent. They have the guys, but that may be their undoing. Um, It could be, it, it is me nitpicking, but like driving it's said definitely a valid critique yeah. of this team though i mean they've yeah. got a lot of transfers that are going to slot into key positions which i agree with you it's definitely something to look out for yeah like but that's my only problem like georgetown great team very well coached they have they've been one of the best defenses in the in the association for the last two years so you know i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt i hope that they have a very successful season um just yeah, that's my one. That's my one nitpick on this team. My closing remark is: I just, I really, really, really want this team to come out 
with just the biggest chip on their shoulder after that loss to Delaware. And honestly, I don't even want to say overlook Hopkins, but deal with Hopkins as they should, and then smack Penn, Notre Dame, and Princeton in the mouth, all three of them. If they can yep. sweep all three of those teams, I think they cement themselves as a top two team. Maybe even kick Maryland out of that one spot if they can clean sweep and go four and zero to start the season. Yeah. That's that's what, where my expectation is at for this team. And if they can do that, I'll be, you know, happy. But where I think they should be at. Mm-hmm. We conclude today with. I think not a very surprising take, but as I look at people's takes across the country, it may be a little surprising, and that's by having Maryland at one. And all three of us did have Maryland at one. It was, in that sense, unanimous. But I think each for our own little different reasons. And for me, as I just sort of alluded to with Georgetown, like I put Maryland at one, not because I think they're the best team talent-wise, but because I think they're the best team that's a team. And I think mm-hmm. they have an unparalleled standard of excellence. I was think back to Voight when we recorded last month and you covered them in the Big Ten and you made the comment of, I really can't remember the last time Maryland lost the lacrosse game. Yep. I had to think back and think like back to the tournament when they lost to Virginia, but it has been a long time. Yeah. Children have been born and have come of age before Maryland has lost a lacrosse game. So until they lose a game, until they have a bad performance and lose, they're they're going to stay number one for me. I don't care who they lost. They have great talent every year. It doesn't matter. Big Ten champions, number one seed, final four. That's who they're going to be. It's a question of if a team can put points on the board past Maryland, I think. I think Maryland's offense has some question marks coming into the season, but that defense does not. I think it'll be a really, really interesting game plan for any opposing coach or offensive coordinator to try and figure out ways to put points on the board and like a good amount of points on the board past this Maryland team. Because if their offense starts clicking, oh God. I, I just this team is like an insurmountable wall to me, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. My one gripe with this team is, you know, we pointed it out, like they're just gonna need more guys on offense mm-hmm. who are playing second line midfield, third line midfield, and second line attack last year, who saw time in like a lot of those blowout games last year. Um, those guys are gonna just really need to step up and fill in those Wisnowskis roles and yeah, you know, continue the great passing, passing game that they have going on, because um, that was that was a huge part of their success last year. They were one of the best teams moving the ball around the around the circle, around the crease. Um, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, don't yeah, stray yeah. from the blue. Don't stray from the blueprint. Keep keep being the best. And I think it shows even more to the point that the defense is going to carry this team, based on the fact that the news just came out that the number one jersey for the first time is going to be given to a defenseman, not an offensive player. So I think that just, that highlights how defensive oriented and how defensive minded this Maryland team is. First time ever. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think this defense is just going to be 
a historic defense, regardless of if they win the championship again. I think they're going to yeah. put up some insane, especially in the shot clock era, for how high goals per game has gone up since they added that. I think this defense is it's going to, you know, break some records. <laughs> yeah. And no no one is more deserving than that than Brett Makar. Like, oh, yeah. dude's a stud at close defense. He can... He can transition the ball. He'll take it. He'll take it away from you and buy you dinner afterwards. Like the dude's, the dude's insane. Well, gentlemen, that concludes our top twenty, top twenty-five with receiving votes. We thank you again for joining us. I think it's clear. I mean, we are so excited for the season to start. Um, we thank you for joining us again. And as, as a note, like. We'll be taking a week off, and then once the season starts, we'll be with you every week. Uh, we'll be recording on Monday. You can expect episodes out on Tuesdays to cover the following week's games. And we'll be doing this with you through Memorial Day weekend. So I'm excited. I can't wait to have five different screens on a Saturday screaming all these different games. Um, boys, anything else before we before we conclude the preseason? I'm sorry, That's- Richmond. <laughs> I, I've got nothing. Yeah, like Glazer just said, our first episode drops. It'll be out on January 31st, just in time for that first weekend. In case nobody has heard yet, first weekend of games is February 4th. That's Saturday. It's our first slate of college lacrosse games. So mark your calendars. Stay indoors. Get your streaming services in order. All right. Thank you again for joining us. We will see you on the 31st.